Good morning to each of you and greetings in Jesus' name. It is a pleasure to be able to come and worship with you, although it is a little <clears throat> nerve-wracking. Our hearts are full to overflowing. And I say that because just this week, as we celebrate celebrated Thanksgiving, uh, our children came in from afar and near, and we were able to spend last evening together basically as a complete unit, which we don't usually have. But, you know, it's amazing how many years ago when we would come up here, we'd bring a whole string of them along with us, and uh, it's changed. And we know that that has changed for your all's lives as well. And so we see new families starting that little string and bringing them along, and, and what a blessing it is. This morning, as I share, I share as, as one that, uh, you know, I don't have it all together, but uh, you all know me, and so I, I can't hide that from you. But I share from experiences, victories, uh, encouragements, uh, other things, and so as I share this morning, you know, may God be glorified through this. How many of you are looking forward to this afternoon lunch, maybe some family time, or a nap? How many of you are looking forward to that? Don't be bashful. I know that you're looking forward to at least one of those things. I know these young men or young ladies, they're looking forward to that food at noon. I can assure you of that. Some people that are <clears throat> older are probably looking forward to a little bit of shut-eye. Probably. When do you get old? When do you want that? Well, that's self-determined, I'm sure. <clears throat> what brought you here this morning? Is it because you had to come? Excuse me. My voice is a little weak yet. <clears throat> because you had to come or because you wanted to be here? What is going to draw you out of those warm covers in the morning? What's going to motivate you to get up and get going? Is it because you have, to have, you have chores that you have to get done? Or is it the anticipation of an enjoyable day? I imagine that many of us would have mixed feelings about that. Because I know some of us are morning people and we bounce out of bed and... That's not me, by the way. And others, you have to drag them out. But what motivates you? What drives you to get out of bed? What directs your day? What holds your attention? You know, oftentimes we think of these things in relation to life, to business, to family. And we have many things that motivate us to get things done or to get up and get going. And some of those things are exciting and some of those things are responsibility. But some of those things are just a joy. But what, what motivates you in your relationship with Christ and the church? I want you to think about that just a little bit. What keeps you coming back here? 
to worship with this congregation, with these people that you've developed relationships with? What continues to drive your desire personally, what continues to drive your desire personally to be faithful to God? Is it fear of not attaining, not matching up? Is it fear of going to hell? Is it fear of what others will say about you? What drives your desire to be faithful? What compels you to continue walking the narrow way? I want you to turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13, these are very, very familiar verses, and yet they have such a, a meaning to them. And again, the question I want to ask you is, what motivates you? What motivates you? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting at verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, I know some people that speak numerous languages. And that is impressive to me. I, I can barely do the one that I was taught but though it says here, though I speak with the tongue of men, you know, we look at people that have that gift of speaking multiple tongues, and we think, that's, that's pretty impressive. But it says here, and of angels, that would be pretty impressive, to speak in the tongue of an angel. But it says then, and have not charity, have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I am sounding annoying. And though I have the gifts of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so as I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. We were in Indiana not so long ago, staying at a man's house, and his, his father enjoyed prophecy. And he shared with me some interesting articles and verses in scripture in his viewpoint of prophecy. And it was interesting to me. And we discussed that at length at different viewpoints of prophecy. And how will Jesus come again? And how will we, how will we know? And what will be the events that lead up to that? Well, let's just be ready. Because we don't know exactly how it will happen. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, do you understand the mysteries of God's word? We understand to a certain point. And yet, we see men that are written about in scriptures that had the Old Testament written and they studied and studied and they missed Christ. Some of them. A lot of them didn't. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, look at the knowledge that we are experiencing in the world that we live in today. We get out our little smartphone and we hit the voice microphone and we speak in a couple words and it pops up what we're looking for. 
and maybe some different things that we're not looking for. But all knowledge, we can see far into the reaches of space and we can see into the minute details of DNA. I've not been able to do that. But there are some that can. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. That would be amazing. To be able to say to this mountain, boom, into the ocean. And it would move. And we would think that that would be an incredible act of faith. But it says, and though I have all faith so that I could actually remove that mountain and have not charity, have not love, it's worthless. It's worth nothing. Charity, love should be our motivating factor. This word charity means affection or benevolence. It means like sharing in a love feast. It means to love much or to be beloved. And that love that we read about here, it doesn't come from within us. It doesn't come from that natural man. It comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It comes with a thankful heart. You know, we tend to think about the, the physical things that we're thankful for in this season of Thanksgiving. And I appreciated what Robert shared also on Thursday. But it's a thankful heart for what Christ has done for us. What we have been rescued from. In the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, the writer is speaking of the physical makeup or the physical body working together in unison. And he makes a comparison of these members, each one of you all, each one of you and the body of Christ working together. Perfect unison. And he makes this comparison. So I want you to turn with me, if you will, to back one chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> Starting at verse 12, it says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Look at your body. Five fingers, two hands, most people. We all have similar physical makeup and yet differing personalities. Some, of, some people are a little more athletic than others. Some people are deeper thinker than, thinkers than others. All of these people, you included, making up a separate, special part of the body of Christ. For as the body is one, we have a physical body, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Look around you. The congregation that you associate with, that you worship with, one body in Christ. And this is just one small part of the worldwide body of Christ, and yet each one of you individually is special created with gifts and abilities that God has designed to complement the body of Christ. 
It says in verse 13, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all have been made have been all made to drink in one spirit. That one spirit, that Jesus, that, that Holy Spirit that we are filled with upon that new birth binds us together and builds us into that body of Christ. It says, for the body is not one member but many. And then it goes on to use some examples here. For if the foot shall say, because I am not of the hand, not the hand, Am I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? You know, this foot, this hand, this eye, this ear, whatever part of the body it is, if it be separated from the body, we know what will happen. That, bo- that, that piece will die. That part of the body separated from this physical body, we know will die. Are you a part of the body of Christ? You may have that physical being. You may have that mental aspect. You have that spiritual being as well. Are you plugged in and a part of the body of Christ? Or are you saying, I don't need this body. I don't need to be a part of this this church. I don't need to be a part of this body of Christ. Is it therefore of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And it, excuse me, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. You, being called of God, listen people, we are called to a holy calling, a calling of God the Father, the Creator, of all the universe. He has called you out of darkness and placed you, if you've embraced Christ, into that body of Christ. Are you plugged in? Are you getting that vital nourishment? God placed you there as it has pleased Him. Verse 19 says, And if they were all one member, where were the body? I don't know if you've ever seen the man with no limbs. Any of y'all ever seen that guy? The man with no limbs? He has no arms, no legs. He has a torso and a head. And that man amazingly functions. He can eat. He can brush his teeth. He can do different things. And yet he has no arms and no legs. I think many of us if we were born equipped with those appendages, would find it very, very hard to continue to function without those. But because he was born that way, from birth he has learned to adapt his body. If they were all one member, where were the body? You cut off a hand, there's no body. It's just a hand. You lose a foot, it's just a foot, no body. But it says, but now are they many members yet but one body. We all need our body parts. You know, I got burned making apple butter the other day. And you know, it's, 
It's not a, a vital part because it was just a spot or two. But it hurt. But I didn't lose an arm or a leg. I didn't lose a foot. And so I can continue to function. The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again to the head, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Anybody barefooted here this morning? Probably not. Did you wash your feet? If you didn't, they smell. You know, we try to cover up our feet because they're not the most attractive things to look at. At least mine aren't. Maybe yours are. And yet, our feet are extremely necessary for balance, for running, for walking. And yet, it's not the most lovely part. For our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. When that blob of apple butter hit my wrist, I didn't just leave it there. It hurt. And it was very quick that I stopped doing what I was doing and I got rid of that blob of apple butter because it was harming my body. And again, it was a small spot. But I stopped what I was doing to remove that pain. And even after that initial blob was gone, the pain persisted. It was still there. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. You know, we think about the physical body and some of the pains and ills that, we, that, are, that affect us. But if we could look at the spiritual body, if we could look at the body of Christ... And it says, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Do you care as a part of the body of Christ when someone else that you know is hurting? You are a valued part, but so is everyone else. And it says in these verses that Christ has made us whole. And it was because His love that we can be a part of that body. So my question to you is, are you doing your part to build up the body of Christ? When each member does their assigned task, we can get a lot of stuff done. 
But when all of us try to do the same job, it seems like there's a lot of confusion. And oftentimes, there's some schisms that develop. Because not everyone works at the same pace. Not everyone will do the same job in the same way. And so we need to, with love, allow others to do their job. We need to, with pay, be, we need to love and be patient. We need to love and be kind. We need to love and be long-suffering. If we look back at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Now, as we look at this body and we look at the motivating factor of love, let's put those two together. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. When we quit doing our job, as God has placed us in the body, when we start to look around at the other better jobs, or so we think, or something that we don't think is getting done like we think it should, then I think we lose our vision of love. A number of years ago, I hired an excavator to excavate for, for the litter shed beside our chicken house. <clears throat> I wanted 16-foot walls, but I wanted the eaves of the buildings, my poultry house and the litter shed to be somewhat even. And so we had to dig down into the bank. So this man came with a dozer and he stripped off the topsoil and he started working on that pad and I was standing there watching and I was like, what is this guy doing? And I was just thinking to myself, I would not do it like that. I would do it this way. So I just had to just walk away. And you know, I walked away and I came back sometime later. And it was amazing how much this man had gotten done. And he got it done way faster than I would have. Because the man had the mind of excavation and how to get it done. I didn't. I wouldn't have done it that way. However, he got it done in a way quicker fashion than I would have. I was looking at his job and saying, why don't you do it like this? When I should have been saying, hmm, that's an interesting way of doing it. I wonder how this is going to turn out. When we covet other jobs or better jobs or something that's not getting done, we tend to lose our vision and we tend to become critical of others. When our children are little, when they're learning how to walk, when they're learning how to talk, you know, it's, it's exciting. Things are happening. And we are there encouraging them 
We're there helping them. And we're doing that because we love them and we want them to learn those new things and to grow up. And yeah, it's exciting. And when they fall down, we get down there and we, we pick them up or we say, hop up, it'll be okay. Or we help them. We try to encourage them. Do it again. You can do it. Good job. And then when they do do that, we cheer them on. Good job. Do it again. And then after they learn to talk, then we say, be quiet. Shh. Don't talk so much. But we are the body of Christ. We are those children of the kingdom of God. Some old, some middle-aged, some babes in Christ. And we want all of us to continue growing in that spiritual body. We want everyone to contribute. And we don't expect a toddler to be able to do what a teenager can do. We don't expect the same wisdom from a teenager, although they do know so much, as someone that's older. But we want them to contribute. And so my question is, how do you see others in the church, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you see the potential for something that can really happen for the good of the body of Christ, for your congregation, maybe even for Christ and the world? Do you want to continue building we need to focus on our gift that God has given us, where he's placed us, and not look around at all the other jobs that other people are doing and think, oh man, why are they doing it like that? Because we are one. Christ has made us one in that spirit. You know, we get together for council meeting, communion twice a year. We have the, our Easter service where we reflect on the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we see the physical suffering that Jesus faced at that time. His body was bruised and beaten. His body was broken. It was pierced with nails and a spear. And we look at that and think, man, that was horrific. That was a horrible way to suffer and then to die. And we can hardly imagine the brutality with which Christ in that physical body suffered and yet his spiritual body was alive and well. He was in tune with God the Father. You are a part of the body of Christ. That spiritual body, are you alive and well? There are times where we feel bruised or beaten. There are times where we tend to be broken down where we feel like we can't go on. And yet not one of us has ever, ever, and probably never will face some of the physical horrible things that Christ suffered in his body. And he did it, he was motivated by one thing, and that was love for you personally, for your soul, and for mine. Ephesians 2 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, 
For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, prophecy, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. God was motivated by his mercy and great love wherewith he loved us. He has made us spiritually alive and in tune with God the Father. He has placed us in the body of Christ for a special purpose. Whether you're a little toe, whether you're a heart that is the center, whether you're the mind that makes things happen, whether you're the hands and the feet that do those jobs, whatever, God has placed you there for a purpose, for a reason. What motivated God the Father? His great love. What motivated Jesus the Son? To do the will of God the Father because of that love. But what motivates you? What motivates me? Looking back at that physical body of Jesus, we know that, they, that Jesus was scourged with that whip. It was called a cat of nine tails with little pieces of bone and metal embedded in the ends of those tongs. And we look at that, the beating that, that Jesus received and it was unbelievable. And the way that we are taught to be kind one to another, we would never consider picking up one of those cat of nine tails or whips and wrapping that thing around somebody's torso or legs. We would never consider doing that. We would never consider swinging that at the body of our Lord Jesus. Yet sometimes, and I say this for myself, yet sometimes with our words and actions, we're swinging that whip. We're tearing down that body. We're hurting those that we should be loving. And we are hurting Jesus' body, that spiritual body. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. One body, one unit, working together or tearing apart. We want to take care of our physical body as I shared earlier. How much more should we be wanting to take care of this spiritual being? Our own personally and then those that are around us. We love our children. We want to protect them. But what about others that are God's children, that are a part of the body? 1 Corinthians again. Charity suffers long, is kind. Charity envies not. Envies not? We're happy for when other people prosper, do well. Envies not. Charity boasts not of itself, is not puffed up. Charity does not behave itself unseemly. Charity seeketh not her own. 
Charity is not easily angered. Charity thinks no evil of others or anything. Charity rejoices not in the sins of other people, but rejoices in the truth of God's word. Charity bears all things. Charity believes all things. Charity hopes all things. And charity continues to endure forever and ever. Verse 8, I didn't read that earlier. Charity, love never fails. What motivates you? Can we by the Spirit of God give ourselves to building that spiritual body? If we could, and I say this we as me, if we could put to practice these verses in 1 Corinthians 13, if we could put to practice the golden rule, we will be building up the body. We won't be looking around at others and saying, why are they doing it like that? We'll be looking at ourselves and comparing ourselves with a holy God. And if we can just put that to practice in our lives as a person, personal commitment to Christ and a collective commitment to those around us as a part of the body, I think we would continue to grow. That spirit brings us together as one body in Christ will continue to help us to grow in his likeness. In the Lord's Prayer, soon to be closing here, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave some very concise points to ponder. You know, we say this prayer because we memorize this prayer and it just kind of flippant comes off of our lips, at least I think it does for myself. But it says, Our Father which art in heaven, Holy, hallowed, we worship, or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. We know that that's going to happen. Jesus is a part of that kingdom as here, as here today. But we know that one day that kingdom will be finalized and those that are faithful will be a part of that kingdom. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It tells us part of his will in these verses in Corinthians. And yet it gives us so much more instruction in God's word. Give us this day our daily bread. We thank God for the food. We thank God for the, the provisions that he has blessed us with in so much abundance. Do we thank God like Robert shared for the cross? Do we thank God for the tough times that come along that help to strengthen us? Verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The memory verses that these young men, these, this young class read here this morning, it just so keyed in with the lesson. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I would imagine that many of you all have experienced something that was offensive to you over the years. Are we being forgiving? Are we allowing that spirit to continue to help us to grow, to build one another up? It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Are we being forgiving? And lead us not into temptation. We know that God will not do that. But deliver us from evil. We know that he will do that. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What motivates you? Is your desire to build the body? It's going to start individually. It's going to start with me. It's going to start with you. We need to put to practice these words of life. The latter part of verse of chapter 13 it says, "For now we see through a glass darkly. We don't see everything as clear as we should. We look at the prophecies of those Old Testament men and how they said that Jesus would come and the many prophecies that were completely fulfilled in Jesus coming as a babe in the manger and his death and the resurrection. And some men missed it because they were seeing through a glass darkly. But it says, but then face to face. Now I know in part, I know a small portion, but then shall I know even as also I am known. God knows you. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three. In other words, they continue to stand. Will we embrace them? But the greatest of these is charity. So my encouragement to you is that love be your motivation for the building up of one another, the church, the body of Christ, for the glory of God. God bless you.